Hi, everybody. My name is Lori, and this is our podcast, Inclusive Talks Sustainability. And we interview on this podcast people who are helping us create a sustainable world for everyone. And for us, sustainability means taking care of ourselves, taking care of our neighbors, and taking care of the environment. And it includes justice in all of its forms. And we are incredibly thankful today to have with us Allison O'Neill, who is a um, just a, a sort of a guru in, in dermatology and in creating beauty and in helping people um, feel okay in their own skin and learn how to do that. And Allison has a foundation, which is called, I just went totally blank, Allison. Beauty, beauty becomes you. Beauty becomes you. I apologize. I'm so sorry for forgetting. And we, this is our second episode with Allison. And in the first episode, we were treated to this incredible story of how Allison got to where she is now. So we're not going to recap that here. Go back and listen to that episode if you've missed it. Um, to this episode, we're actually going to talk more about, you know, any advice that Allison might have for others and a few other questions. So Allison, thank you so much for sticking around for the second episode. Thank you, Lori. I'm honored to be here and I hope I can shed a little bit of wisdom for somebody to help them move further in their life. Well, you already have. So I think you've accomplished your task and we'll just do more of that right now. So Allison, our, our podcast is really about creativity and sustainability. And I think um, creativity, my, my feeling is that everything you do is about creating something spectacular and about helping people to realize their best, sort of their best selves. So I would argue that everything about your career from the fact that you made up this profession <laughs> it created what you needed. Um, I would say everything about you is creative. So I want to ask you, when you think about sustainability and, and giving back in a sustainable way, what does that mean for you? Yeah, thanks. Um, it means several things. I mean, I'm, I think from the perspective of giving back um, and, and helping others thrive, meaning sustainable, um, that that we need to help each other. And, and that's what we do with Beauty Becomes You by touching people. And, and um, not only the people do we touch directly that, that we're intending to touch, but all the volunteers who are involved. I mean, I, I, I love it when a volunteer will say, I didn't even know that this field existed. And this is who I wanna work with now. And they open up like, wow, that, that to me um, is one, one broad stroke of sustainability. Um, I'm also involved, quite honestly, with um, cosmetics and, 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 and sourcing products from around the world. So that's a different sustainability that I think people are very familiar with today, looking for natural products that are helping sustain villagers and in poorer countries. And um, so I love that part of my work too. But um, we're not talking about that one as much today, but I'm happy to come back and talk about that because that's so cool. Mm -hmm. um, beauty becomes you, That uh, I, I would say that. I mean, I think sustainability has a lot of definitions um, and, and it's, a good, it's a very good focus for you, I think. It's a very good focus. And I think um, what I'd like is that your emphasis on um, people who are aging or people who have had um, some kind of physical injuries or anything that's, that's affected the way they, they view themselves and the way that they, they present to the world. Um, often those 
that those groups of people are kind of left behind. And so the idea that you focus on that, where did that come from? So how did that, it's particularly the aging population, how did you get interested in doing that? Well, the aging population, um, interestingly enough, um, Beauty Becomes You, the name of the charity, was the trust my father left to me, not the charity, but the three words. Mm -hmm. And um, my father was in home hospice for nine months, and I had the total honor of being able to be there to help my mother take care of him. Um, and every day was just a blessing. And my dad would wake up and he would say, give us the thumbs up. And he'd say, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm gonna feel better tomorrow. And he had prostate cancer that had metastasized to his bones and brain. So um, people get sad about it, but I have to tell you, it was no, not sad. Every day was this brilliant day because he literally woke up every day with this joyous, like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm gonna feel better tomorrow. And he often did. And he taught me a lot in that nine months about the power of, so, it wasn't him that led me to the seniors, working with seniors though. Um, but through that period of time, um, I have to say this, I love telling this part of the story, I hope you don't mind, but my father and I were really close when I was a little girl. And then like a lot of people do, uh, when, when I reached like my teenage years, he really didn't know how to deal with me because he didn't, you know, it was born in 1921 and what do you do with a girl? And I was his good friend. And eventually the dog, when I was 13, I think took over my place in the front seat of the car when we went to the handy city, the swap with Fitz or whatever he would normally take me. And anyway, that was hurtful. But then we also had a big falling out in my late teens. And unfortunately, we really didn't reconnect until I was 39. And he was 39 when I was born. Um, but it was when I was 39 that he became ill. And we reconnected. And for the next four years, we had the most beautiful reconnection. So uh, this period of time, this last nine months of his illness, um, we were, I was there and uh, at their, my parents' home. And one day, um, about six weeks before he passed away, we were on the porch and he loved gardening. So he was digging in flowers. He was in a wheelchair. He was not having conversations anymore because as I said, it, the cancer had metastasized to his brain. We heard about the war, World War II more than ever. Um, which was interesting. Um, but this one day, he and I were on the porch and I was on the other side fixing a bird feeder and about a half an hour of silence. You know that when you're with somebody and you can just be with them and it's silent and they're doing their thing and you're doing yours, but you're together. That's what that was. And out of the blue, he said, Allie, and I, this is interesting because for three years he was very ill and we were told six times that he had 24 hours to live. So at this point, we knew it's up to God. And right now, our job is to make sure he has everything he needs to keep him comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I went over and I said, Dad, what do you need? How can I help you? And he had his back to me and he's digging his flowers and he kept digging and digging and digging. And I just waited and waited. And finally, he turned around and he said, beauty becomes you. Mm -hmm. And he went back to his flowers and started digging. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, you heard about the patients that I helped originally and my patients, I'd never heard those words, beauty becomes you. But my therapy for the prior 20 years had been, it's going to be what they did with their lives that would make them beautiful. Yeah. And, and that's why so many people thrived that I counseled because I helped them see their worth, right? And I said, dad, what did you just say to me? 
And he said, I don't know. And I wrote the three words down. He passed away six weeks later and I was um, um, lucky enough to have some mentors that invited me to New York. And I met with four major companies in New York. Mm -hmm. um, I met with three and two of the first three, like uh, Moe Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy, and uh, another couple of big ones. And these two of them said, you need to meet this guy, Joe Spellman at Estee Lauder. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe Spellman, who's no longer alive, he was known as the guru in marketing. Um, uh, for the entire cosmetics industry, because he's the one that thought of the gift with purchase concept. So if you if you've ever had the opportunity to go to a cosmetic counter and get the bag and they have all the products yeah. in it, Joe Spellman created that in the '60s for Estee Lauder. Um, and when I was seven years old, which was about the time he developed that, I got lost in a department store, and the Estee Lauder woman saved me. And she kept my behind the counter with her for, I don't even know how long. My mom, probably two days, it took my mom, it felt like, you know. But anyway, she gave me the first gift with purchase that Estee Lauder ever gave out. Wow. And it was this little pouch that had a little snap on it and the, you know, the Estee Lauder blue. And mm -hmm. it was Youth Dew powder, Youth Dew fragrance and Youth Dew lotion. And I kept that pouch for 37 years. Oh my goodness. And, you know, I told you the early part of my career, but I did a lot of other things, started the Look Good, Feel Better program for the American Cancer Society. At 28, I was appointed, I was the younger, youngest person ever appointed to a board in Georgia. And I was on the cosmetology board for 11 years and wrote the national exams for aesthetics five times and wrote, revised the textbook. And, and, and I'd done so many things. I started the first paramedical cosmetology training programs. And I, uh, just all kinds of things spoken mm -hmm. at conferences, but I was invited to revise this textbook and, um, and I worked so hard at that and I had editors working with me and, and then at the end of my work, the publishing company was publishing another similar book with six other authors and they shut mine down and I just swore I would never do anything for this practice again. And I threw away the Estee Lauder thing because it was so hurtful. I mean, you go through these things. We were talking about that. So I'm, I'm, I, I probably squirreled off this whole thing. But at any rate, Joe Spellman, I got to meet him. And I thought, I'm going to work for Estee Lauder. And nope, he said, you don't belong in industry. You've done too many nice things for people. I was a very different person then. I was very dem demure, I would mm -hmm. say. And uh and he said, beauty becomes you as the name of a charity and you need to start it. And once you do, we'll help fund you. So that was where my idea to start a charity. Mm -hmm. And when someone like that tells you start something, it's like God saying, start a charity. You know, that yeah. was, that was how big it was. And uh, I left and immediately after leaving his office, called my girlfriend in Atlanta and said, how do we, how do I start a charity? She said, I don't know. And, and anyway, uh, there's a great story that follows that as well, because it was not easy. It, it, no, it is not easy to start a charity. That's, a, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, so if you were talking to someone who, your, your initial path, as you know, we talked about in the last episode, was fraught with, no, you can't do this. Um, what are you doing? No, that's not going to work. So 
what would you tell someone who's younger and who is starting out with this um, career of passion, this, this need to do something, and they know that it's the message from the universe, from God, from, from whatever, um, what would you tell them about how to, how to persevere and how to, how to believe in themselves to move forward? All right. I love that question because it's only now in my life, literally, sorry, literally this week, that um, so sorry. Oh, that's okay. It happens. Turn off. Anyway, um, so literally this week, this term that I created in the 1980s, aesthetic health, and wrote about it and spoke at national meetings. And I've been on CNN, TBS, in Mademoiselle Magazine, Self, You, Town and Country Magazine. I've been talking about this for years, but it's like nobody heard it until the last week. And now I'm going to be starting a global initiative at the Global Wellness Institute called Aesthetic Health. That's so amazing. what would I tell somebody who's younger that has the same kind of passion or message or this little voice that keeps saying, this is what you're supposed to do. Just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. This is not your timing. It's God's timing, but everything that you do adds up. Even my being here with you mm -hmm. is such an important part of the entire puzzle or when in the early 1900s there were crazy quilts and crazy quilts were made from a part of fabric that came from aunt sue's dress or grandma whoever and the tablecloth over here they were just and that's what life is to me so pretend you're one of those and everything you do matters um and even the failures they matter because there are no failures even though my book was never published. Um, I still wrote it. Nobody can take that away from me. I still got paid $20,000 and nobody could take that away from me. I won the argument with that publishing company and my book was really well done. And, and there are a lot of things that you will go through that won't be easy. But then there's a lot of things that keep telling you you're on the right path. Well, listen for those, just listen for those. That sounds like wonderful advice. Mm. Stay open and keep going. Yeah. I have little signs that I have all around my house that um, I had the word believe. Oh, can I tell a story? Sure. I, I, <laughs> for many years, I've collected all these little things that say believe. And I had 143 um, different artifacts that said believe, believe, believe. And I, I got divorced about 10 years ago. And I was thinking, wow, it just doesn't feel enough to believe. So what is it that's missing? And so it was Christmas and I had two yellow labs. And I said to my yellow labs who were like my kids, I don't have children. And cause my whole life has been devoted to my career. I gave that up. I realized early on that my choice would be if I had children, I would devote myself to them and maybe not get to help the millions of people that I think I'm supposed to help. Mm -hmm. And I made a real conscious decision. I also didn't want anybody to have my skin disorder that I had because that was not something I'd ever wish on anyone. But at any rate, uh, the dogs and I, I said, let's watch Miracle on 34th Street because I love that movie. It was the only Christmas movie I owned and because and, that's the only one I cared about. But you know, most of us, when we watch that movie, we listen to Santa Claus. We hear the movie, you know, we get the idea, you know, here's 
Um, you know, but here's that movie. That movie has a saying in it that's repeated three times. And I didn't get it till that one day. And I said, I'm going to listen to this and see what it is I'm supposed to really hear. And the boyfriend says it to the girlfriend, who's the disbeliever. Remember the girlfriend's like, oh, there's not really Santa. There's not really, you know, the color, whatever she was, whatever she would say. And there was nothing really. So, and then the little girl, she's the mother eventually says it to the little girl. At the end, the little girl says it to us. And the saying that has stuck with me since that day is faith is believing, even when common sense tells you not to. And that is the secret. That right there is what helps you continue because there's a lot going on that you don't even know. Yeah, people have seen what you've done. They have, they've taken note and at the right time, it will come up to being recognized and allowing you the opportunity to do what it is you're supposed to do. That's Perfect. Mm. So for you, what is, would you say, the underpinning of this, the philosophy, the um, sort of underneath everything we've talked about, what's the root of that yeah. life um, mission or life philosophy? My, I, that's, that's such a, that's a really great question that I feel I am still evolving in um, because I, I feel like it changes. I feel like what, what my core mission is that I know I'm here to serve and I'm a leader who is a servant. Um, and that is part of my philosophy. And when I say that, it means, um, you know, I don't think I'm any better than anyone else. I, I love the model of this of, um, servant leadership um, model for those people who don't know. And normally you think of corporation and you hear you think the boardroom what does that look like to you most of us we envision a long rectangular table with the head person sitting at the top and everybody sitting down the side servant leadership is a round table where the person who is leading knows their strengths but they also know their weaknesses and they surround themselves on that round table with the people whose strengths are their weaknesses and that is probably my, one of my most important philosophies that I try to live by, because what I also gain in that is the sense that I'm helping other people continuously by giving people that opportunity to shine in the way that they shine. Um, and probably that's, you know, for me, is helping people see why they're still important. If you are here, you are still important. You have a purpose, you have a meaning there. It is too easy to get snuffed away and you will be on the time that it's ready for you. You've done whatever it is. Or if your life, on the other hand, I've also worked with people, sadly, who have lost children or people who are too early in life, but those people left early. So the people left behind who still have a purpose that they need to live up to can now live up to it. Because without that loss, they wouldn't have had the push to get to where whatever they did, and um, and and that, that at least is your choice. I mean, not everybody does it, but maybe that's why those kinds of awful things happen to people. But I want people to figure out who they are, live their fullest, and contribute back, making this place a better place. That's what I want. 
It's a wonderful thing to want. Um, I, I love that philosophy and I very much appreciate reminding people that whoever they are, whatever, whatever point they're at, wherever they are, there is a reason that they're here. There are good things that they can do and exactly. contribute. And I think um, working in geriatrics, that's a, a constant message is, I don't care if you can mow the yard anymore. That is not, that is not what, your, what your purpose is. That's not what your family loves about you. They love you because of your smile. They love you because of your stories. They never thought to themselves, well, the reason I love dad is that he can mow the yard. Um, and so I think that message that we're so much more is yeah. um, beautiful. And I love the way that you're sharing that with people. Well, I want to, you, you had asked me a while ago, you know, why did I choose seniors? Mm -hmm. I, was, I didn't choose seniors. Seniors chose me. Um, I actually thought, you know, when I was first told by Joe Spellman to start this charity, I would be working with burn survivors. And that's what I went to first. But I met him in November and in March of the following year, uh, I got a phone call from a girlfriend who said, Allie, would you come to this dinner with me? And um, I met the vice president of philanthropy for the AARP Foundation. Nice. And that's not where my vision for seniors was born. Um, what happened was she said, do you have a book? I want you to come to Washington and I want you to speak on a panel with five other authors. <laughs> and I had been writing a book and I really thought when I went to see Joe Spellman, when I told him about Beauty Becomes You, I said, my book is called From Glamour to Grace, Beauty Becomes You. And he said, oh, Beauty Becomes You is a charity. And she goes, no, you need a book. So I call my girlfriend and I say, how do I get a book? And she goes, okay, well, we can print it. She worked for Communicorp, which is the marketing company for Affleck. She goes, we'll print 35 copies from, for you. And I created the Gifts of Grace, okay. um, which was based on Beauty Becomes You. And it was, it was, um, it is, I, I just have a few copies of it, but um, it, it just had a real inspirational beginning. And then you kept a journal. So here I am. I go to Washington to this AARP convention, the beautiful setting. And I'm sitting in this panel of five other authors who are like really renowned authors in like one's written some financial spectacular book and other people have written other things about, you know, how to survive aging and all these things. And here I am and I have my little book and, uh, and here's the story of beauty becomes you. And this is so funny because this is now 2003 five in all of these women there's there's three to five hundred women in this audience raising their hands because around that time was when the yaya sisterhood movie was oh, sure. released yeah. and so they're all like um it's nice about the financial stuff whatever um allison can we get your book for our book for our yaya sisterhood um meetings and we would really like that anyway i only had 35 copies i didn't know how to make any more and so that can turn into a big book sell for me anyway i came home from that it still wasn't the um it wasn't the lead to um to seniors um and i wish i could tell you the story about this ring because that happened there in the smithsonian um but maybe I'll come back to that. But to quickly, I came back and a few weeks later, I was invited to the 40th anniversary for senior services of Metropolitan Atlanta by my sister, who was the MC for meal, a meal to remember, the benefit they have for Meals on Wheels. And it started here in Atlanta. So she said to me, literally, 
Allie, you have to come with me because this is going to be so boring. You have to come. So I go with her and this whole center, I'd never been to a senior center in my life. It was lit up bright as day, every place. There was an Alzheimer's day center. There was a gardening area that people would gather and get the tools to go out and paint and garden for people. There was the mules on wheels area. There were all these things and we were touring the facility and um, I had to go to the laser room. So I went away and came back and I saw this little section that was in the dark. Everything else was lit up right as day, like a mall. Right. This was dark. So in this little area were two old shampoo bowls, two old shampoo chairs in a manicure pedicure stand. And I went and got the manager of the center. And I said, why is everything lit up bright as day? And this is in the dark. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's really sad. This is the favorite place for our members, but we can't keep it staffed and we can't afford the products. Right. And that was where my mission was born. I knew I was supposed to turn that light on. And wow. that's how I knew seniors was going to be who we served. And the program director there volunteered immediately to help me get my 501c3. There's just a lot that you have to do. Anyway, there I could go on and on. I have very many stories. Um, it's fantastic. So I think that we will have to have you back again because <laughs> this is we're we're really hitting the end of our second episode. So oh. I think you know in a few months we'll have to have you come back again and tell more stories because they're you're just so good at it. You're just oh. such a good storyteller. They're real so, stories. They're, they're real stories. So I, I we can tell. I think that's that's very, very clear that they're real stories from you. So they're lovely. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to talk about that that in a short period of time, something that you want to make sure people hear or know about? You know, um, well, beauty becomes you. We we added a team board in the last year during the pandemic, who I am so excited about. And you know, it's funny when I started the charity. Uh, 15 years ago, I said, I really like to have a team board because I love to bring older and younger generations together because there's amazing, amazing just bond and, and sharing that occurs and each per and they, they, they bloom. So we started the Bright Lights team board last year and um, there are only about 10, 12 members and uh, but they have, uh, they helped with our circles of light program last year, where we sent letters to over 300 seniors, they have done two legacy videos, and we want to do more legacy videos this summer, one was of a 100 year old woman and another of a 90 year old very prominent Atlanta man. Uh, and then we are currently working on a book which I am so excited about. I'm looking for help with publishing it and sponsors, of course, like you look for. Uh, but the book is called Illuminations and it is, um, a, it is a collection of um, inspiring thoughts from the BBY Bright Lights. They, and I love it because I tell them, you know, 15 years ago I started, but the reason I didn't have a team board was because you were just born. <laughs> they weren't ready and now they'll be seniors and we want to launch the book in the fall um but what we've done is every week i give them a word and they come back with a quote and uh so each of them has taken five to seven of those words and they have done they're doing a beautiful job even the artwork and they each have a chapter and it is a phenomenally inspiring book 
So anyway, um, you know, we always need volunteers. We always need people that are thinking, how can we help more people? We want to get out and touch seniors again, uh, the way we do through uh, Days of Timeless Beauty or getting professionals involved who want to donate their services directly. And then we can just direct people to salons. I think that's, uh, that's my new mission is to do it that way. It's far more effective and, and ongoing. Mm -hmm. So anybody that wants to volunteer or has any great you know, ideas or contributions, feel free. We this is yeah. and, and are you national? Yeah, we've well, we've served all over the country. Okay. Um on uh, you know, we've we've served, as I said, five thousand seniors, yeah. more than fifteen thousand services. But um what I really love to do is is have chapters now, mm -hmm. not just around the country, but around the world. I'm talking to somebody in Ireland right now about that. Um and really get it. Uh, the charity to a point where it actually uh, has financial footing and because I've footed it, I've, I don't come from a wealthy background, but my credit card thing seems to think that it was. And, uh, but at any rate, it's time for it to become substantial because we really are affecting people's health um, overall. Absolutely. And, and careers and, and just everything. So yeah. Um, I really would love to have a new board that wants to contribute in that way. But yeah. it's been a great learning experience, but it's very hard. Anybody thinking about starting a charity, it is not an easy feat. Um, it's a big task. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of competition. Now, when I started, I want to tell you this, Lori, that there were 70,000 charities in the country when I started. And now there are 1.5 million charities. I know. And there's only so much money to go around. Yeah. So it's really yeah. important if you want to serve, join somebody else who's doing mm -hmm. it already mm -hmm. and, you know, do what you want. Find your, find your passion in that way, because mm -hmm. it's not about really running the charity or doing that. It's about providing the service or mm -hmm. wherever your passion is. Um, and it'll come, the, the right thing will come, but that's, there are a lot of charities and there's not, there's, it's just very difficult um, from yeah. the financial perspective. So. Well, and I, I just want to mention the mental health benefits of this because I, it is a very common thing. As a geriatric psychologist, I mostly visit people in care facilities, mm -hmm. and it is often that I have in my recommendations um, regular visits to the beauty salon, get her nails done when someone comes in to do them, because that is incredibly helpful. And all of my clients, if they've had either of those services when I come in, say, you know, they're, they're so happy to have had them. It's such a wonderful human connection. They feel good about the way their hair looks or their nails, it matters. And so psychologically speaking, it is as good as therapy. Um, it doesn't do all the same things. And it's, I'm not saying I'm not necessary, but it really does add that boost to, to the mood that is necessary for therapeutic interventions to work. They call it aesthetic health. And that's why it's called rehabilitation because you really are impacting the mental health. And that's what my degree is in, by the yeah. way. Yeah, you said service, that. Right. So, but, you know, just thinking, and I should um, off record here, uh, I have a video that if you wanted to plug it in, you could. And it's uh, there, I have two actually, one that was done by a local news station that, um, did a piece actually there's two of those and then mm -hmm. there's the royal paris woman of worth one but um those all really have an impact and their their message is just what you've just said i mean how this does touch people and people choose to eat 
they get dressed and they participate in social activities again because they feel better about themselves. And yes, they do still need therapy and they still need hear, mm-hmm. they still need someone to authentically listen and objectively hear them and listen. And that's what we do as therapists, but they also need to be touched and they need to know they can do things on their own. That is really yeah. the most important thing we all need to know. We can do it because if you don't think you can, you can't. Yeah. That's, that's a big message when I'm giving talks that I will talk about. So thank you so much. This was quite wonderful. And if you want to at least send the links to one or both of those videos, we can include a link to, um, to that from, from the podcast. We'd be happy to do that. Um, and I'd like to see them myself. I think they're probably really, really good and inspiring. So I would love to see them. Um, we are at the end of time, I think. And if you have one other short story that you'd like to share with us just as a, you know, a wrap up, um, you are welcome to do that. I, and with this story, I just want it to be a story that feels like yours. It doesn't have to be inspirational. It doesn't have to be about anything we've talked about. It can be, but it can also be just a story of your life that when you look back at your life, you say, this feels like it's mine. Well, I'm going to go back to, uh, my ring. Mm-hmm. And my ring has a Latin on it, virtutum forma decorat, which means virtue adorns beauty. And when I was speaking at that AARP meeting, we were finished about four o'clock. And so two of my girlfriends said, let's go to the Smithsonian, to the art gallery. And the Smithsonian closes at five. We got there at 4.30. And, um, and we went into this one big room and it had all the same paintings, like thousand of them that this artist had done and only changed this tiny little thing in a landscape. So they're studying this. I'm like, hey, we only have till five. So I talked to the security guard and said, how do we do this like on speed dial? And so he gave me a map and he said, here's the Renoir, here's the Monet, here's the Degas, here's the, and uh, so anyway, we get on there, we're looking at the, there's Renoir, there's Monet, there's Manet, there's, and then we get to this room where there's just one freestanding wall so the opposite of the thousands of pictures and it was this beautiful woman named Genereva and uh, Genereva was uh, in France she was a philanthropist who was known for her physical beauty and for the goodness that she did in the world and while my girlfriends were staring at her and they're behind the picture and I'm sitting on the bench again because I get bored and so on anyway and this uh this painting uh was you know by um, I always, why I always do this, but she the the um, in 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 the Louvre in France. Who's the most famous painting that you can think of there? Um, um, Michelangelo, um, uh, Da Vinci. Yeah, Leonardo oh, da Vinci. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So this is the only painting on the on the North American continent by Da Vinci, Leonardo mm-hmm. da Vinci. And they're studying it, and, and they go, Allison, come over here you have to see this. So I go over there, I look and they go, take, they took me to the back of the picture, which is why it was a freestanding wall. Mm-hmm. On the back of the picture was another picture and it was a scroll, beautiful ribbon that said virtutum forma decorat. So I, I ran, it's now five to five. I run to the gift shop and I said, do you have a poster of this? And they said, because that means beauty becomes you. Yeah. Virtue adorns beauty. And and they said, nope, 
And this one woman standing behind the counter and behind the person we were talking to said, wait, but we have one thing. And she took me over to this counter and they had one thing. And it was this ring that says Virtutum Forma Decorat, which I've worn ever since that day. So there's my story. That's a wonderful story. And it beautifully wraps up everything that we've talked about. So thank you, Allison. This was such a pleasure. We will definitely have you back again. Um, thank you for everything you're doing. Please send me all your links and all your information so that people can check you out and connect with you. And everybody who's listening, please go back. If you haven't already listened to Allison's first episode, you definitely want to catch it. And thank you for listening. And I will be back again with another incredible guest. Thank you all. Thank you.